don't look at your staff like costs. Look at them like an investment. Oh, yeah. So, you know, if you're paying someone $3,000 a month, if you're getting six to $10,000 return on them, and uh, yeah, okay, it might not be a sales representative that's bringing actual hard cash in. It might be your bookkeeper that's saving you time to be able to then you go and bring the hard cash in. That's mm -hmm. an ROI on that money. And for me, that was a game changer. And then I just sort of like recruit. I can pay that as long as I'm getting that as an ROI. We're good to go. We can get that. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. Feel empowered and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Welcome or welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Amber Hurdle, and you are listening to the vacation rental, short-term rental takeover week of the Bombshell Business Podcast, where I'm inviting some of my friends and new friends to talk about their experiences because this is a big week in the industry. There's the Book Direct Conference in Miami, um, which is completely focused on how vacation rental companies, short-term rental companies can maybe convince you that you're not renting an Airbnb, you're renting a vacation rental and most preferably straight from the website of the vacation rental management company where they have a better control of the guest experience for you. Also, we have the Vacation Rental Management Association International Conference at the end of the week going into the next week that will be in Las Vegas. So I thought, what better week? This is an industry that I'm in. I love. What better week to really showcase the greatness in a way that is also um, relatable to you no matter what business that you're in. So don't worry. This is not going to be a primer on how to start a vacation rental business. It's just going to be looking at these businesses and what business lessons, mindset lessons, life lessons can we extract from these overachievers? So our guest today exploded onto the short-term rental scene and acquired a controlling portfolio of over $80 million in under three years. He believes his previous jobs and failing businesses helped change his mindset and actions which have led to this result. He also firmly believes the product or service doesn't really matter business is business. And there are some core principles that great success rests on. He is the CEO of Luke Capital Group, and his name is Ryan Luke. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Super happy to have you here. Um, I've I've kind of observed you from afar for a little bit, and then we were able to connect in the, the Boostly group. And, and I just think, wow, even just starting with um, you changing your mindset, because I know that's big and that's huge for me and that's yeah. huge for most bombshells. So can you just take us to that point of like, this is where good enough was for me. And then I changed my mindset and then that opened up the portal of opportunity. Yeah. I, I think for me, it was more, um, I was actually in a, a bit of a, a dark place probably six, six, seven years ago now. And, you know, just, I always felt like I could, I always felt like I had more and I wasn't really filling my full potential and, and I was I was just letting people down. And and then I, I stumbled across, I was literally on my couch scrolling through Facebook mindlessly, you know, before I started to realize I need to invest in myself and came across a mentor from the US, Garrett J. White, who you may or may not know from Wake Up Warrior. And that kind of just changed things for me about, you know, ed educating yourself, investing in yourself, sorting your fitness and health out and mm -hmm. really just working on yourself first before, 
you know, I always thought that you just had to kind of work on businesses and you'd make money and put the hard yards in and hustle hard and all that sort of stuff. But really the missing link was I didn't have my mindset right. I didn't have, you know, my um, knowledge investment sort of criteria set up properly. And I, 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 put, I pulled out a credit card and put 10,000 on it without even thinking about it. It was the most I'd ever spent on anything. I thought I was mental at the time, but... <laughs> It was it was just one of those moments where I was like this. It almost felt like a do or die moment for me. So I, I thought, what else have I got to lose? Um, I'm not very happy at the minute, and um, and it's one of the best things I've ever done because that then led me on to the fact that okay, well, I'm actually getting an ROI out of this spend. So I started to flip the switch on. It's not actually a cost; it's actually an investment. Right. And, um, and then I've done. I then went on from there into paying for a. Facebook ads, mark, uh, mentorship, which then you know led to the marketing side of things, and and then just one after the other after the other, and I've probably spent now in excess of a quarter of a million in the last I would say five six years on myself, and uh, and that's been one of the biggest game changers. I love hearing you say that, especially where you've taken your company because there's fruit, right? So a lot of people say, Oh, I've, there's a lot of people who are like course addicted. And they're like, Oh, if I pay $3,000 for this, my magic, my life will magically improve or my business will magically improve. And they don't even finish the course, but then they buy another one. What you're saying is I went out and I sought what I needed in the moment. I got a return from that. That's my, that's my rule. Like if I'm not going to see a return in this in the next like 45 to 90 days, then I'm not making an investment in that, but your self development and that that self-awareness that underpins anybody's success is obviously giving you returns in spades. When did you know, like, cause a lot of people get started in their, their self-awareness journey and, you know, maybe they take a personality profile or they hear a speaker or they listen to a podcast and then they go down a rabbit hole and they buy a book, they listen to an audible, whatever. And then they're like, oh, I feel better about this. And then the next step and then the next step. When when was it like, how far along were you into this aha where you like had that moment? Like, can you take us to that point? I think, you see, I, I, I probably, I'm not officially diagnosed, but I would definitely say I've got OCD. So <laughs> I, uh, I am diagnosed. <laughs> so when I go into something that that I'm passionate and interested about, like I go in like a million percent and that normally lasts about six to nine months. So I'm, and, and that's probably been a bit of the backbone of the success of the business because I literally started, you know, it was 4.30 o'clock, um, 4.30 in the morning, part of this program, that's where you started. And then it was, you know, just doing it, doing it, doing it. And then but I guess there's no real pinpoint. It's it's like going to the gym, isn't it? You, you know, uh-huh. you, you don't really see your own change over a six-month period or a nine-month period. But when, when you haven't seen someone for a year and you've been in the gym for a year and they go, Jesus Christ, you've changed, you know? Yeah. But so you don't see it yourself. So I think it's hard to pinpoint that moment. But it's like every day was just, and I still live by it now, just do more than I did yesterday. Just get better than I did yesterday. And and I just kept I just kept doing that. And then things just started to happen, like positive things just started to happen because of it. And and then that gives you a bit more, a bit more motivation to then want to do more. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not in, in terms of the OCD phases, like I'm about to do that now with this US breakthrough. So for the next six to nine months, that's pretty much just focus. my focus. And then we'll, I'll do what I did when I went from UK to Dubai, where 
I just basically knuckle down for nine months and then we by the end of that I'll have a lot of units we'll have teams set up and then I kind of just let them sort of take over and then I just oversee it and then I'll go on to some other crazy thing for six to nine months and repeat the process but yeah it's hard, it's hard to pinpoint a moment but it's just that gradual each day I think of just getting better and better yeah. It was a little bit of a trick question because I figured you were going to say that. But if you had like a moment, then I was excited to hear that too. But I think the message that I wanted to get across to listeners is that there isn't like a light switch. It's it, I love your example of exercise. It's like you do it every single day. And then over time, you become somebody different. It's like when you shed skin cells or I mean, you're you, all cells in your body rejuvenate. What is it every three months or so? Like completely, it's the same thing with your brain and and everything else. So I, I love that story. And it sounds like you're a sprinter. So as you're as you're discovering like what makes me tick, how do I work at my best? Like what unleashes my greatest potential? Did you always know that about yourself that you're that kind of like let me just grind it out and then I'm going to take a breather? Um, no, not really. So I. Um... I, again, I think as most entrepreneurs are, we're, we're all control freaks. We struggle <laughs> to let go. And, um, you know, so for me, as the business started to develop, I did struggle to sort of say, oh, I'm not going to do the DIY. I'm not going to do the operations. I'm not. But then I, I read, um, I read clockwork. Um, mm. and that just changed my perception on, you know, who I need to be to be a successful multi-business owner by, you know, working on the business more than I'm working in the business. And yeah. I start to then really take that that step back and and put those pieces in place. And and that then really helped me build the team out and, uh, you know, just leverage other people's time so that we can go quicker and we can move faster. And um, uh, that was, that was again, another, probably one of the, one of the other sort of game changing moments for me was reading that book. And, and that really at that, at that precise moment helped me change the way I thought about business and teams and, and the role. So I think as the CEO entrepreneur, you always think, well, if I'm not doing it, I'm failing. You know, if I give it to somebody else, then I'm failing. But really what it, it really opened my eyes to, if I'm actually just working on the business, like now, if I can just work the US side for six to nine months, which I can, because the rest of it's all locked down and, and that will continue to grow because the, the way it's all been set up, it allows me to now go and grow that business. And then again, I'll, I'll repeat that process there and then probably move on to, a different location and, and then push that and then build a team there. And, and so far that's kind of worked and played out. Okay. So as you're expanding into new markets or as you have expanded into new markets, where, how did you, like, what was the temperature or what was the set point of understanding how quickly you could onboard new team members? Did you have like a financial formula, like a certain number you had to hit in reoccurring revenue? Like just so as people are thinking about, expanding into new markets, whether that is another city in their state or they're trying to do things in, in, you know, their own country or all over the world. That's a scary thing to have something over there. It's not in your backyard. And now you're managing a team and also trying to keep the PL straight. Like what, what does that look like for you as you expand? Yes. So for me, I, so I had like a 70 hour a week job when I first started the business, the property business. And I had to, with it being short term rental, as you know, it's not like being a landlord where you collect your rent once a month, <laughs> and, you know, it's actually not a property business. It's a hospitality business and, right. you know, it, it's very intense. So because I had this really intense job, which took a lot of my time up, plus I had two young kids at the time. Um, I had to really dive into my uh, what I call my technological IQ and really improve that. So 
I had to put systems and processes together that would basically try and get a guest in, checked in and checked out without even needing to speak to me as much as possible. And I think that automation and that, that technology has is, is pretty much driven the business results forward. So that's allowed me to go into other locations and not have to worry about being on the ground or being nearby. And at, at first, I, I, I used a lot of consultants. Um, I never... I think a lot of people get it in the head or I, I can't afford employees or, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of just built gradually, you know, as, as I had a bit more money. So I think my, my first employee was, um, or my first consultant was a freelance bookkeeper because I felt like I was doing the books more than I was searching for properties. And then I wasn't acquiring Thanks. as many. So that then took that away from me. Then I got a, um, a freelance guest services operator. I just give her a mobile phone and said, is there any chance you can just answer that when it rings and <laughs> let me know how much time you've spent and send me an invoice and we'll work on trust. Uh, start. So it's not like I went out and sort of said, I'm going to give someone a 50,000 you know, a year job and yeah. just built it up. But now don't get me wrong, it is all internal staff pretty much. And, um, and they're all bonused and commissioned and they're growing and they share the vision. And, you know, that, that is, it definitely feels like a, a group and a, a sort of scaling company now where everybody's bought into it. And, but, it, but as I got started, I think you just, you solve problems along the way. And it's sometimes you need people, sometimes you need software, you know, it just depends. And, and as long as the money's coming in at the front end, you can, bit there, bit there, bit there. And you might think, okay, well, I need to do a bit myself because I haven't quite got the money. Uh, but again, I flipped my mindset on stuff. So I would always, you know, my dad was, my dad had a, a small business and he was always like, you know, keep things tight. You don't want loads of stuff. You want to keep your costs down. And, but then um, one of my mentors, Grant Cardone, uh, he was very much like, don't worry about your costs, just drive more revenue in. You know, as long as you're driving revenue in, you can, you know, cut your costs down. And um, that was one of the, the biggest things he, he kind of t- said to me. And, and then also, again, don't look at your staff like costs. Look at them like an investment. Oh, yeah. So, you know, if you're paying someone $3,000 a month, if you're getting six to $10,000 return on them, and uh, yeah, okay, it might not be a sales representative that's bringing actual hard cash in. It might be your bookkeeper that's saving you time to be able to then you go and bring the hard cash in. That's mm-hmm. an ROI on that money. And for me, that was a game changer. And then I just sort of right, recruit. I can pay that as long as I'm getting that as an ROI. We're good to go. We can get that. And, and, and I kind of monitor everything on KPIs now. I have a very... I know I'm kind of going off tangent a bit, but no, I'm it's good. It's great. I love the primer. <laughs> I have a very flexible working culture. Again, um, I dug into the Netflix sort of work, working culture and, uh, you know, flexibility, no holidays, days, um, no sort of working hours, give or take. Obviously, my ops team are probably the anomaly on that one. And I just drive the whole business on KPIs. So, if you want to work one day a week, that's fine. As long as you get your results, get it done. That's right. That's how I am. I mean, I've never had hard and fast rules and where I might not be able to pay what a fortune 500 can pay. And I certainly don't have the benefits that they can offer. I offer flexibility, which as we all have seen in the news and everywhere is like a really important perk and benefit. So, you know, you, you've got to find your way to um, bring the people into your team that fit your culture and who are happy to be a part of that work environment that you've created. Um, you know, as you were talking about 
maybe it's a hard cost, but it frees me up to go be the big game hunter or to vision the next, you know, product or the next market or whatever that looks like for you. Yesterday, I had my personal assistant here and she took my car and filled it up with gas. Then she went to the UPS store to return an Amazon item that I decided I didn't need. She put up my laundry. She put up my dishes. She did some things around the house and made a list for me and then got me set up for something else. And like what that cost me to have her on payroll, because she's legitimately on payroll versus what I could be doing with my time instead of filling up my car with gas. Not to mention that that keeps me from not having to fill my car up with gas at the last minute because I forgot that I didn't have gas and then make me late to maybe a sales appointment or a customer appointment or something like that. Like you have to think about what's the highest and best use of my time, of my talents, of what I bring to this business. And if I'm over here doing this other work that is not my gifting, it's not wise for me. If I can make this much money per hour and I'm, you know, I could pay somebody else this much. Like to me, that's a a no brainer that I think a lot of women are like, oh, I couldn't pay somebody to just put gas in my car. (laughs) Uh, I took a a PA on about 14 months ago and it's been one of the best things I've ever done. Um, Game changer. I think when you get to a certain size in business, you know, you, you, you just got to do that, you know, and I, I pay mine, you know, very well. She deserves it. She, mm-hmm. she's 24 seven on the clock. You know, she, she's, she's amazing. And, um, it really gives me that flexibility and, um, she's actually based in Dubai. So she actually helps me when I'm not there uh, mm-hmm. more than when I am there, but, um, it same runs my life, you know, books, my flights, books, my hotels, sort out any stuff that we need, does all office stuff, anything I ask it to do, it gets done. And it's just, um, I would advocate uh, anybody in business, once you get to a certain level where you feel like you can squeeze, you know, a decent salary PA in there, then do it because you will, you start to get your life back a bit more as well. And I think that's really important uh, because you can, and I'm the worst at this. I can often forget I do actually have a family and a kids. I, I quite often say like, I feel like my businesses are almost like my third child. I care about uh-huh. them so much. And um, that, that's sometimes not a great thing, but it's just, I guess, the way that I'm designed and, you know, where I, I see my vision and where I want to get to. And I, I always wanted, I mean, even as a kid, I was very impatient. So I always want things done yesterday. And I can't, everyone always says, just take your time, you know, if you'll get there. And it's like, I don't want to take my time. I want to get there now. And, um, again, that's that's a good and a bad thing at times as well because it can bite you um, by by Russian stuff and not not maybe analyzing things enough and diving in two feet. But- uh huh. Yeah, uh, that definitely resonates. And as we're launching, um, it's, it's it's one of those things where you're like, we're gonna launch it, and then everybody's like, no, we need it now. And so you start and you're trying to get ready for the launch, but you're so busy already serving the customers that you already have, which is great because it's proof of concept. But you know, just with employer brand central, I've had to remind myself that like remember startup mode? Like, do you remember this? Like, this is what it is, and you have to enjoy the journey. Like, you you're not gonna get there tomorrow. That's not how it works. And if you are gunning for what is out there and you're not slowing down to like really enjoy the the creativity, the breaking things, the building things, the like, oops, that didn't work. Let's try something different. Like then you really miss out on so much of what the joy of entrepreneurship even is. Like if I wanted things done yesterday or else, or you're going to, you know, be fired, I'll go get a job. Like I, why would I do that to myself? Mm-hmm. But I'm like you, 
And so that is a very conscious thing that I have to remind myself of journal about meditate on all those kind of things. Cause I'm like, it should be done yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we're all, um, I, I think obviously it's, it, I think in a way though, it, it does that that's kind of what sets you aside from, I guess the, the 95 and 99% or whatever that don't get into the, that sort of game is because you're the one that does want to do everything all the time. You're the one that, you know, you grind 16, 18 hour days out, but, it's not like grinding a job 16 hour day. You just, you love what, like I wake up and I got my laptop and I'm boom yeah. and I'm in. And it's not like, oh, I'm working now. Or, you know, I was in Dubai um, last Saturday, planned to go to the beach. I went to the gym. I got back. I jumped on my, my iPad and like four hours had passed. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm, I, was meant to go, I was meant to go to the beach, you know, but I just got so immersed into something and uh, it was important. And, you know, it could have waited, but I just, I just did it, you know, and you, you just went into it. And, and before you knew it, the time had gone. But it's not like I've gone, oh, I've just done four hours work there. And, you know, I wish I'd gone to the beach. It's like, yeah. we loved, I loved doing what I was doing, whatever it was. I can't even remember. But Yeah, it's interesting because men especially are, I don't know if taken aback is the right word, but they're always very curious about how into business I am. And like, I, I joke, I'm like, well, if you want to be my friend, like then get into my business world because then I'll spend time with you <laughs> because that's like where I spend my time. But, you know, for me, it's, it's really, um, you know, some people play video games and they hyper-focus and they lose time and like hours can go by and they're, they're playing a video game. They're fully immersed. I play the game of business. That's my yeah. game. And I'm yeah. fully immersed. Um, and it's like, well, that didn't work. Like, you know, what, what castle do we have to conquer? Like what second life do I need to get? Like that's how I perceive business. And I think it's just an exciting uh, thing. You have to be comfortable with risk and you yeah. have to be a very proactive human being. And if you don't have those attributes, you either need to surround yourself with that or you need to have some learned behaviors because it is a, it is a risky, um, fast pace, um, especially nowadays. I was just texting with my brothers we were talking about this marketing person on YouTube that no one over the age of 25 would even know about. And I'm just like, marketing alone has changed so much since COVID. Like, mm. it, and just to have to constantly adapt and evolve and know what the trends mm. are. TikTok, and I mean, like, I've, I, I clocked on the TikTok a while ago and I remember everyone like, you must be the oldest guy on TikTok. And, you know, why, why do you, why'd you be on, want to be on a dance platform and all this? And I was like, I'm telling you now, TikTok is going business. Yeah. You know, we thought with Facebook where it was all like friendship and now everyone's Facebook profiles are just business profiles. They're just extension of websites, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and then even YouTube, we started testing some short YouTube videos and they, you know, we, we would spend, I would get a production team in for a day and we'd do like three or four episodes of my YouTube channel and I'd get like 25 views. And yeah. like, I've been putting these shorts out and getting like thousands of views. Text me 30 really? seconds to do them. And, and the whole, the whole, I've been following, uh, I, I follow a lot of Gary V. I think he's in a, oh, I love Gary and he talks a lot of sense and he, he, he sort of picked on the TikTok thing ages ago. So I started it and, um, and then we just getting, like I've got some videos that have done like a million views, thousands of comments. And then we have it obviously feeding into the funnels of my link tree and, uh, you know, here, there and everywhere. Then they go into the rabbit hole of, of my business and what they can get. And, um, but the, the short form video is just, it, it's taken over now, you know, and that's, yeah. as you say, like even 12 months ago, it wasn't even that big, but now it is literally, people don't want long form videos anymore. They, they just want short little snippets. I mean, I, 
I'm the same. I listen to everything on 2X. So when I re-listen to podcast, <laughs> yeah. on 2X, um, although some people say they can't listen to me on 2X because I already talk too fast. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, I listen to watch YouTube videos on 2X. I even my WhatsApp voice notes, I'll 2X them. You know, I just want the content and move on. And, yeah. and I think it builds going that way. And like a little quick bite and I'm, you know, brevity is not my spiritual gift. I'm a professional speaker, a professional communicator. So I've been trained to blow it on for, you know, an hour. Um, and so that's something certainly that we've, we've looked at too, is getting into the shorts. And I, I miss TikTok because I'm like, I'm not, I'm not dancing. Like, I mean, I'm dancing all the time around my house. Like if, if, if there's like a spike camera in my house, I'm like dropping it like it's hot while I'm cooking tacos. But like, that's just not what I'm going to put myself out there as not because I'm ashamed of it, but because it's not relevant to what it is I'm trying to accomplish in the end. And then I'm like, well, if somebody could show me how to do it for business, then that'll make sense to me. And I'm like, oh, there it is. Okay. I missed it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think you can still get on the train for for business. It, the the algorithms just totally changed, and now it's going because they need businesses for the adverts. Yeah, you know, it doesn't work without the money. So they have to have the model. They're, they're giving more credibility now to like almost how to type stuff and longer form, and um, you know, not just dance crap. And you know, it's a lot of. Um, I just had a video last week. It's done about one point two million views um, in about three days, and that was all wow. about um, how you can take 200,000 pounds out of your house and turn it into an extra 50 grand a year income through short-term rentals. And it was just a, a very, I think it was about a minute and a half video just on a whiteboard, just showing people and, um, you know, obviously just went. And so stuff like that is uh, really powerful now, I think on the right platform. Yeah, I love it. And I'll be taking some notes. We'll have to kibitz in uh, Miami. <laughs> yeah. So you have a really unique franchise model and, you are being talked about a lot. Um, the, the traditional, like old school, original vacation, professionally managed vacation rental management company that has been around for forever. Um, you know, that's a, we, we go into, you know, partnership essentially with, homeowners that have second homes or an investment property. And then we professionally manage it. Maybe we own some of our own homes as well. And then you have like, you know, the more, um, the Airbnb world, right. And it could be on Verbo. It could be on any of the, the OTAs, the online travel agencies. Um, and that's where like somebody gets one property and they make an investment. Like I kind of see them more of like more real estate people, less hospitality people. And and that's not a knock to anybody, but the the reason why we started with an Airbnb quote is to generate revenue through real estate. Whereas I think people who get into like a more professionally managed vacation rental, you said it yourself, it's hospitality. And then the benefit is all of these other real estate things, right? So that's kind of in my mind how I do this. Um, and then you just come up with this whole franchise model game and like you're getting all of it at once. Like the focus is everywhere. So what made you, I'm going to two part question. What made you decide to go this direction, which is, you know, you're zigging when other people are zagging. And then how did you grow it to what it, I mean, this is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so the, 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 the franchise, basically I was sat down thinking, how can I grow quicker? You know, I, I figured it out. We figured a profitable service model out. We, um, you know, I, I knew that I, I, ha I think when you've got a product and you know it's profitable, it's like, right, how do I, how do, I do more of it? So yeah. for me, that was like, how do I scale? So I thought, well, 
I'm going to recruit sales reps in every postcode in the UK. I'm going to train them. I'm going to, um, I'm going to give them all the tools and then I'll give them a budget each. And then I thought that's a lot of HR. That's a lot of contracts. It's a lot of expense in wages. You know, I'll probably end up doing a lot of recruitment and it just sounded like a big headache. So, um, I thought, what else, what else could I do? And, um, I'll never forget this moment. I was literally doing, I was doing pull downs in the gym and I just thought of a franchise. I was like, why don't you franchise this thing? And then I was like, so I quickly jumped on my phone. I was like, short-term rental franchise, service foundation franchise, couldn't see anything. So I was like, okay, well, that means either people have tried it and it doesn't work or- um, Blue ocean. Or no one thought of it. So I literally, and it's probably the first time in years I've literally stopped the gym session mid-session and didn't even finish and I came home and I watched the McDonald's founder movie again. But this time I was watching it with a business head on. I was like, right, what are they doing? How are they doing it? Um, What's working? What's not working? And and kind of just notes all the way through. And then I just thought, I'm going to create this uh, franchise version. So I created, uh, I then also, prior to that, I had been mentoring people how to build service accommodation, short-term rental businesses, uh, you know, how to find deals, just basically how I did it and how I, because I, I acquired 21 properties in my first seven months while Jeez. still having, while still having a job. So uh, those skill sets I passed on to people and they were then acquiring good numbers. And um, so I, I kind of knew that there was a model there, but what I found was a lot of the people they would get to five, maybe 10 units, and then it would just blow up because they wouldn't invest in staff. They couldn't get themselves out the ops. They stopped going on viewings because all they were doing was dealing with guests. And they ended up hating it because no one really wants to do hospitality. It's not a nice job, you know? It's. I, I take it, so I, I, I think, if I can interject there, I think there are two types of people. Either you're born with the spirit of hospitality and you're okay with working on Christmas because this is so deeply embedded in you or not? Like there's no in between. Yeah. I'd say that there's very few people like that, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, for me, certainly uh, like, I hate ops. I just, uh, if I can avoid it, I'll avoid it. <laughs> I hate it, but um, I'm just not patient. So I'm not patient with people when they've got problems. And, but yeah, so, so I kept seeing, I'd, I'd help these people scale these businesses, but then I'd, then they, you know, six, six months, they'd finish the mentorship, they'd go off into the sunset. And then I'd be watching them on Facebook and see, oh, I'm going to sell some furniture. This property's not working. Does anyone want it? Da, 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 da. And, and slowly but surely they'd end up out of the game or, you know, really just dislike it. And, I, and I, I figured it's because they just could not lock the ops down. And I think, you know, coming back to what I said earlier about the technological IQ and having to put all these systems together to run my back end when I still had a job, obviously I've built on that as I've grown. And that for me is kind of helped the ops side of it. So I then thought, well, what if I create a franchise where I can just keep them sourcing properties, just keep them focused on the fun side of it, which is meeting people, relationships, doing deals, you know, and all the real good stuff. Yeah, exactly. And then I've already locked in and don't get me wrong. We're not perfect. I don't think anyone is, but um, we've, we've gone through the pain of building an ops department out. I've got the staff, we've got the processes, we've got the softwares. So I was like, why don't we just, once they've found the properties, they just plug into our back end and we run them all for them. So they just focus constantly on the front end and just keep scaling. And um, and that model seems to suit everyone because it's like they're getting a short-term rental business, but without the hassle side of it all. So right. it's almost like a passive short-term rental business with the lion's share of the profit. 
and it just seems to tick a lot of the boxes. So, so I took that to market and, um, we, we acquired, uh, a lot of, you know, franchisees and they've had great success and very quick success because it's easy for them to go into a estate agent and say, Hey, we're part of this group. We've got 80 million pounds worth of property worldwide. We've been doing this. We've hosted hundreds of thousands of guests rather than, Hey, I've been on a training course. I just set my LLC up. Right. No yeah. Trust you know, me. <laughs> yeah. So, so they get to like feed, feed off the, the brand and that alone gives them the confidence. And then we've got them all hooked up in Slack to the various different team members. So they've constantly got support and it just, they're, they're scaling so quickly. Um, we then help them with funding to an extent. So, you know, if there's good deals that we can all get involved with the whole Franchise family will say, well, I'll have a unit, you have a unit, I'll have a unit, and we pull a block together. And that's so great. Yeah, it just it just really works. And and that's why I stopped mentoring because I was like, I'm help I'm actually helping other people build businesses to compete against our businesses. Right. So <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna stop that now and I'm only gonna coach for my men, my my franchisees. And we have a meet, we're actually meeting tomorrow. We have a meetup once a month and um, and then we jump on, on on Zoom once a month as well and really just, you know, build that community and everyone shares the vision. And we do all sorts for them, like done for you marketing, leads, you know, we're really just all sharing the same vision of scale. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, just kind of as I was saying earlier, your typical, not everybody, but your typical entrepreneur is going to be that very, you know, comfortable with risk, proactive, probably not the most consistent person. They like to have competing priorities, slogging through the same thing every day is not their jam. Probably not the kind of person who's going to dot every I and cross every T, but they're going to be very flexible if things are coming their way that, you know, might be a little like, oh, shoot, I have to pivot here. Like that is your typical entrepreneur. And so what you're doing is you are giving the systems, you're giving like all the things that a typical entrepreneur hates doing. <laughs> And being like, here you go. And also I'm going to coach you. I'm going to mentor you. We're going to give you services to, to get you started. And I just think that that is that not the way of the future? Because I, I, I almost feel like this dismantling of corporate America and, you know, we can't get people to come work for us anymore. I mean, I can, but like big businesses are really having a hard time versus the they're like, well, nobody wants to work anymore. I'm like, oh, they're working, but they're door dashing. They are delivering groceries. They are driving a car through Uber. They are doing anything but driving into the office to and and I'm not I'm not knocking corporate America, just to be clear. Like I I love the corporate structure. I feel very comfortable in it. They have complex problems. I love the complex problems. But I, I think that as you're as you're leading the way in some of these more um I'm going to hesitate to use the word safe and Ryan in the same sentence. <laughs> you are affording a little bit of a, of a, of a safer bet knowing that they don't have to start from scratch. They don't have to figure everything out. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins's model and success. And, um, you know, what, again, another discovery when I listened to that, I was like, you know, you just don't need to re repeat the wheel anymore, or create anything new, just, just go and find somebody that's doing what you are passionate about, get around them. If you've got to pay to do that, pay to do that. 
And if you follow exactly what they're teaching you, there is a very high chance that you will end up with a very similar result. And, um, you know, that whole model and success is something I do, you know, bring it back to TikTok, right? So when I first started TikTok, I was like, right, who's getting loads of views on videos? What are the videos are they doing? What's the uh, subtitles look like? What music are they using? I just copied it. And then sure enough, boom, we got loads of views and then we're getting loads of leads through the funnel. So, you know, it's just modeling success. Some might say it's copying, whatever way you want to. There are no original ideas in this world. Let's be real. (laughs) And, you know, there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Airbnb hosts out there. So the model works. Okay. So it's proven it works. I am no more intelligent than the average person, you know, and so therefore, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And it's just a case of finding out the how to's of, you know, how do you find the properties? How do you then secure them? How do you pull the investment together? How do you kit them out? How do you host your guests? How do you repeat the process? And once you've locked all that down, it's just one after the other. Rinse and repeat. Yeah, exactly. And, um, And that's kind of that's how I've done it. And that's how the franchisees are doing it. And they just do it with a roadmap basically from the start, which I never had. I had to figure all that myself, but they, they do. They just, it's just basically, how do I do this? How do I do that? And we show them. Yeah. You know, you can have your blue ocean strategies, obviously yours is one um, better talent in the industry, just, you know, truly turning the recruiting model on its head through a subscription model um, and having like that whole talent acquisition piece that you just plug and play. I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but even those came from, like, I loved in your bio, how you said, um, you know, that your previous jobs and failing businesses, like where do we learn the most in our failures? And then you fail forward into like, okay, I'm going to take all of this still not original ideas, but all of this that I've learned. And now I'm going to figure out a way to offer an alternative to what the standard is. Um, and that's, that then becomes the new repeatable thing. So, um, yeah, it's, um, and I think, you know, I think as we touched on earlier, like for me, businesses, well, it doesn't matter what your service or product is. I think company culture is the most important thing you can have. You no, know, I believe that. <laughs> you can have, um, you know, and, and I used to get this wrong and I've worked in businesses that got it really wrong. And, um, you know, those businesses could have been a hell of a lot bigger had they figured that out. But, you know, you can, you can have the best product in the world, but if you do not have a company culture, you're never going to be able to scale that to the moon. You're never going to, you're going to be constantly recruiting. You're going to be going through training all the time. Consistency with staff is the biggest thing that will help you drive success. And um, I work so hard on company culture. Like I got rid of someone last week when I was in Dubai because three people, as soon as I landed in Dubai, were like, so-and-so's being like this, so-and-so's being, you know, they're not helping, they're not being a team player, blah, blah. And I could just feel already the culture was changing because of that one individual. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go, you know. And, you got to cut out the cancer. Yeah, 100%. And, and I work really hard on that now is, you know, that, I see that as one of my main focuses is just building that company culture. And, and, and we get the result because of it. You know, I get the extra hours. I get the early mornings. I get the late nights and no one bats an eyelid. You know, I take them out and, we enjoy ourselves and we have a lot of fun at work, but we also know we've got to hit our results and we've got to hit the KPIs. And, but when everyone buys into the whole company uh, vision and culture, then and where it, they fit into it, because you're yeah. providing them an opportunity to perform at their best and offer their natural gifts and talents and their experience. And when they can plug their greatness into something and watch it elevate along with you because of their contributions, that is self-satisfaction right there. So as much as we love to think that our employees are like so committed to us and, and and maybe they are like, I know my team is, but 
at the end of the day, it's because we provide something for them to feel good about themselves and their contributions. And that's yeah. what culture is. <laughs> yeah, I also like, like, I don't, I, I try and not use the words like, like I always say, like, we just work together. You work with me. We don't right. have any hierarchy. I actually work for them, you know? So if you need anything from me, I, I'm, I, I'm your employee. What do you need? Training right. Just flip it on its head, you know? And, um, you know, I always say, you know, what's the decision boss and, you know, put them in charge and things like that. And yeah. I think, I just think we've got to get away from this. Like you work for me and you yeah. will do what I say, and you will be here at nine o'clock in the morning. And it's like, yeah. it just doesn't fly anymore. You know, mm-hmm. people will, I think people actually want more recognition than money. I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people, if you give them a pat on the back, celebrate them, you know, we have, you know, every month it's like employee of the month voted by me. We've got, so we've got like the CEO employee of the month. We've got the employees employee of the month. You know, we, we just do these like fun awards. Everyone gets Amazon vouchers. Everyone loves it. You know, it just really drives that culture. Yeah. That's so awesome. It, it's funny. Cause Amy, who's my operations manager a long time ago, she was like, I talk about you and then it feels really weird when I refer to you as my boss. And I'm like, Oh dear God, don't call me that. <laughs> like we work as a team. Like I couldn't do this without you. I don't want that title. <laughs> it just doesn't fit right because I can't do it without the team. So collectively we are the product. My, my name might be in the business just like yours, but Lord knows you don't get to uh, 80 million in under three years solo. That's, that's just not a thing. Yeah, I mean, I made that switch like probably about, Two years ago now, obviously a lot of the marketing was very much on Ryan and Ryan's story and it was uh-huh. Ryan and Ryan. And, and I sat down and I was like, right, I, once I've got my marketing team built, I was like, right, now we need to change this. You know, we're not just me anymore. People need to know about the other people that are driving this business behind the scenes. I was like, I actually want to come away from the business as the face and I want it to become, and that's why I became the group, the Luke Capital group. So, and then it's it's about everybody in that business that actually is is growing it it's not just ryan's success story anymore it's you know it's and we've really changed that and and gone from what i feel is a one-man band mission to now it's very much people see us as a group uh, a group of businesses and um you know scaling quickly and quite a large operator in some of the locations and 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 everybody that's behind the scenes you know it wasn't until recently I actually changed our Airbnb thing from Ryan Luke, like to actually the company name, you know? So just again, just changing it. So people know that they're dealing with the corporate rather than dealing with the person. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that was a really important move for us as a business to be able to then make them feel part of what we're actually trying to achieve rather than just supporting Ryan's mission. Right. Yeah. Same. That's why I'm doing employer brand central is a completely different brand because Amber hurdle. Yeah. Amber hurdle will always be because I'm a speaker and that's who people are hiring. And it was necessary for me to be that at first and rebrand from my legal company name. But now I'm just like, I am not everybody's answer to everything. Like I'm the strategy person. I'm definitely um, the person who like drives the train, but all these people back here are involved too. So like, I just don't, I don't want to be perceived as the person. So that absolutely resonates with me. Um, so before we tell everybody how to get a hold of you and where to find more information, I always ask as the final question, what parting piece of advice would you give to a bombshell businesswoman, a, a bold, brave, unwaveringly confident woman who maybe not, might not be constantly confident, but when she falls, she gets back up. 
Um, what advice does she need to hear from you today? Um, so my favorite brand is Nike and it's because of the slogan. So, uh, you know, just do it, I think is a really, uh, you know, several words that really resonate, I think with business and most people never make it in business because they never do it. And I think they go to their deathbeds and they regret not risking a lot of stuff, especially in real estate investing. I see so many times people finding great deals, they're definitely profitable, but they just can't pull the trigger. They can't take the risk on borrowing that money or they can't take the risk on potentially renting the property. And for me, it's like, uh, just, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, you know, we'll take risk all day long, um, but just do it. What's the worst that can happen? You know, and, and I just constantly believe that you should always just take chances, take opportunities. And if you do that and you put massive amounts of action in, don't think it's going to happen overnight, but you know, don't just, as you said before, you know, we're not, we're not saviors. We're just, we can give you the roadmap, but you're going to have to do the action, but just, just do it. Just go for it. What's the worst that can happen? I love it. And I love that question. Um, actually a mentor of mine, the, my first foray into like true entrepreneurship. I built a celebrity event planning company and I sat a woman down who'd been successfully on her own for years. And she, I was like, how did you do it? Like, how did you walk away from your salary? And I've got two kids, I'm a single mom. And like, you know, what is all this about? And she said, well, I just always ask myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? She's like, so what's the worst thing that can happen? I'm like, well, McDonald's is literally always hiring. And she was like, can you deal with that? I'm like, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, and she's like, well, then I guess you have your answer. <laughs> and then that's every decision since has been exactly what you just said. So, so Ryan, we can find you at lootcapitalgroup.com. And this is such a great website. Um, very easy to navigate. I love the video on, on the front. It's just a really great website. And then we can also, I mean, you have a link tree. So that's linktr.ee forward slash official Ryan Luke. And you have all kinds of goodies on here. So what should people look for? And, or what do you want them to, um, like, how can they decide if they're a fit for your now US-based um, franchise opportunity? I, I'm very much now in just give back, you know, add value to people and um, expect nothing in return. And by doing that, you you end up getting a lot back in return. So uh, there's there's a lot of ways we work with people. So we obviously, if, if someone wants to get into the franchise, that's more of like a coaching and, and a business startup. Um, we've, mm -hmm. we've got that option. Uh, we work a lot with landlords in terms of rental arbitrage. So if they want a secure tenant for, you know, a lot of years with no hassle, we'll rent properties off landlords. And um, we also do a lot with investors. A lot of investors now want to you know, buy into some of our, our deals and they, they don't want to do any of the hard stuff. They don't want to set a franchise up. They just want, I've got some money. There you go. Here you go. So we, we work with anyone really. And, and even if, you know, people can, I'm very open book, just ping me a message on any of the socials. I'll always reply and, um, and just see how, how we may or may not be able to collaborate together. And I think if, if you, if you have an open mind like that, then it, it tends to lead to good things half the time. Awesome. Well, we'll put the link to your website, your link tree, all of your social handles. And as always, Bombshell, you know, I want you to connect on LinkedIn first. That's where we do business. And I want you to stay in the mindset of being in business. TikTok is great. We've talked about it. Also follow him on there because you can learn from him also. But just don't get in a situation where you get into rabbit holes. Like be intentional about that online time. Um, and that way you can spend your time working on 
on yourself and on the business and not wasting time. So that's my, that's my diatribe for today. Thank you, Ryan, so much. I'm excited. I get to see you in about less than a week. When do you arrive in Miami? Uh, I, um, Friday, Friday evening. Straight okay. Out. So you're going to be there. All right, cool. Well, then we're, we've got our boat ride um, with Tyann and um, that'll be super fun. And we can wrap up our conversation there. In the meantime, Bombshell, make sure that you do check out everything in the show notes that can be found at amberhurdle.com forward slash podcast with an S at the end. And if you have not left a rating and review, I know I ask this every single time because it really is that important. It just messes with all of the different logarithms and the SEO and it helps other bombshells find this. And, and the thing that I'm proud of, I can't take credit for it because I am not my guest, but we really try to give actionable advice and there's no fluff and no blah, blah, blah. And so if you can get more women and men, we have a lot of bombshell boy listeners to plug into people like Ryan to learn real business tactics. That's important to me. That's my mission with this podcast. So um, also on YouTube, you can like, subscribe, all that good jazz, and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.